reading these lessons this week and kind of going over that in my heart, I was reminded of a, of a, of a basketball team I played on in 1989-90. Uh, uh, and uh, when I went to graduate school at the seminary, they, they had a club team. And we played all the kind of bump along community colleges and lesser known schools in the St. Louis area. And, and we had a secret weapon on that team. And his name was Kirk Duker. And uh, Kirk had been recruited to play basketball at Syracuse and had a bad back. And while he was a, a fine basketball player, he was not ever able to operate at that Division I level. He just, he couldn't. He, he could go for about 10 sustained minutes. And in those 10 minutes, he was the best player on the court. There, there was just nobody who was even close to him, no matter, no matter who he played. And, and so we went up to Hannibal, uh, Missouri, home of Mark Twain, and, and uh, we played Hannibal LaGrange Community College. Hannibal College was known for kind of taking not the best kids out of the St. Louis uh, high schools, but they would take the three and fours out of there. And so they had a very good team, uh, typically better than, better than us, but we had Kirk, who was our secret weapon. And and so we came out and played about five minutes in, and we were down about oh, five to seven points. And then Kirk comes in and plays for 10 minutes, and we're up 12. And they said, man, can that guy play? Kirk goes out, and the game at halftime was about tied. And, and the Hannibal coach, you could hear yelling in the locker room, these are old people from, they shouldn't, and you're in blah, blah, blah. And you're more athletic and more talented, and you played at a higher level. And we rebounded hard, we played defense hard, and we were organized. We, we did not play a lot of run and gun. We'd set the ball up and then clear out for Duke, and he would smoke the guy who was ever guarding him. And uh, so again, we started out the first five minutes of the second half, and they put it on us. Duke comes in about seven minutes in and puts it on them, and, and, and it was an amazing game. And it, we should have probably lost that game by 10 or 12, and sure enough, at the end of regulation, it's tied. And, uh, and, and uh, Duke had kind of saved his uh, thing. And another guy, my friend Jim, got hot. And, and, and all of a sudden, we're playing with this team in overtime. And we're not just playing with them. We're, we're blowing them out. Our, our coach put us in a, in a half-court press. And, 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 and it came to rock at the end of the game. We had, we had beaten them. And we were so happy. We, we just couldn't believe what the scoreboard had said. It was an unbelievable victory. And it, and it was a time where there was no cell phones and no media and all that stuff. There was no tweeting about how great we were. We, we just played a team better than us and beat them, which was very cool and felt very good. So a, a, a member of their team came up to, to Duke at the end of the game and said, you're, you're a fine ball player, but you're not that good. And you're all right, but you, you, you ain't great. To which Duke, who was about 6'5 and had just put up 30 points against a team that had triple teamed him at the end of the game, pointed up to the ceiling to the scoreboard, put his arm around the young man and said, scoreboard, we just beat you. And there's some of that going on in these scripture readings today. John sends his disciples to, John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus. Jesus puts his arm around the disciples and says, scoreboard, look at, look at what's going on. Look at what's real. There's a little bit of that in our hearts and lives where, where, where God puts his arm around us during this Christmas season and points and says, scoreboard. All the prophecies, baby, manger, Mary, Joseph, son of David, stars, angels, shepherds, all that stuff. Scoreboard, I, I won. 
And I believe with all my heart, we have a world that wants to put its arm around something bigger than themselves and say, how can I tell if I have meaning and significance in my life? And the Christian church over these next three weeks is able to put their arm around the world and say, look at our, look at our scoreboard. Look at what our God has promised and what our God has done. And the reality of that, not played out in fantasy land or, or never, never land, but played out in the real annals of history. So Zephaniah chapter 4, I'm sorry, Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20, these marvelous words of prophecy of Jesus of Nazareth. Sing, daughter of Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear. To Zion, do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and a reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord your God. And again, a scripture that, that speaks into this time of the season, a time of, of, of lots to do, a time maybe that's, the, the, the time is drawing near to Christmas. You're saying, man, today's the, the 16th, plus 7 is 23, plus 1 is 24. I got lots to do. Klinkenberg, get moving along. I want to point you to the scoreboard here. Philippians chapter 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And a final word from Luke chapter 7 John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus and says, help us see the scoreboard. What's the deal? Who's counting? What are we counting? And how's it looking? And these are the words of that interchange. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, the men came to Jesus and they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor." Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. 
What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and even more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. The word of the Lord. So John the Baptist sent two of his disciples to speak to Jesus and to find out if he was the one. And Jesus didn't say, well, you know, uh, let, let, let me persuade you with this big rhetorical argument. Let me set up this, this marvelous argument. Jesus pointed to the scoreboard and said, let me tell you what the score is. Let me tell you how I'm stacking these victories. Let me tell you how it's, it's going. Let me, let me relate to you the words of Zephaniah, the words of Micah, the words of Hosea, the words of Isaiah the prophet, and you go back and you tell John that I'm the one. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the crippled walk, even dead are raised. You tell John the Baptist what you see. And by what you see, then you believe in your heart. What is the truth and what is real? That Jesus the Christ, the son of Joseph, the son of Mary, the son of God, is the Messiah and the Redeemer of the world. Jesus puts his arm around those two disciples and says, here's the scoreboard, fellas. Take a good look at what you see because we're winning this thing like you can't believe. Sometimes we struggle with that sense of belief, what to believe, how to believe, how fervently to believe it. And Christmas comes down and, 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 and reorients life away from the things we have to have and possess to, to maybe find a sense of meaning, uh, away from the things that we think we need to do and participate in to find a sense of meaning. We, we, we point ourselves to other scoreboards. And it's in this season that Jesus points us back to a bigger scoreboard. And this time is a time of reflection as well, a time where maybe you look back at 2018 and say, how did it go? Where have I been? What did I do? Who are the people who were with me? What did it, what did it look like? How did it feel? What do I know? How am I a better person and, 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 and closer to God and closer to family and, and more accomplished in the things I set out from January 1st to December 31st? What's the scoreboard that I'm looking to. And sometimes we look at the ups and downs of the year and we wonder how it went. There's moments where life was kind of chaotic and, 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 and moments where it was sporadic and blessing and we say, well, wait a minute, how, how did it go? For some, we look at the broken pieces of our lives. and We say, man, 2018, I can't wait to turn the page. I, struggled and I hurt here and there and there's division here and there and I was nervous here and there and so in this moment with these words of scripture and this word of promise our Lord our Lord our Lord points us back to the scoreboard he says look at my victories look at the wins look at the promises that came from of old uh, 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 an old prophet named Isaiah. He said, a virgin will conceive and bear a son. 
And so we look to Bethlehem and there's Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. God said that what we needed most was the redemption of the world, the forgiveness of our sins. What we needed more than anything was God with us day to day and bit by bit in our hearts and in our lives. 365 days a year, 365 days of 2018. And so an angel comes to Joseph and says, don't be afraid, big guy. This is all a part of the bigger plan. That which is conceived inside of your wife is of God. So when that baby comes, Joseph, gather that baby in your arms. Call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The scoreboard, the scoreboard of Christmas is found in Jesus of Nazareth. The one to whom the prophets pointed forward, to whom John the Baptist looked across time, and in whom we look back and find a sense of faith and belief that God is not done working, that God is not finished, that God has not quit shooting the ball and racking up and stacking up victories, but that God continues to work in our lives here and now today as surely as He worked in the lives of Mary and Joseph and some shepherds and three kings and that whole community of people gathered together. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Look at that scoreboard and believe. Believe in His love for you. Believe in His grace that forgives you sins. And believe that His hope in your heart leads you into 2019. I love that. I I love that Christmas is about the heart. You want the right gift to touch the heart. You you want the right card to touch the heart. You want the right picture to touch the heart. So maybe maybe even with a few words, when you open up your Christmas card from Aunt Millie or whatever, you're like, oh, that's the best picture. That just kills me. Love that. It's, it's, It's about the heart and what you believe. And then what you believe is what drives your actions and your behaviors in your life. Powerful, powerful moments to look at the eternal scoreboard and believe in Jesus. You see, what we believe drives what we do. I've been so proud of our church. I mean, I mean I'm proud of our church all the time. But, but over the last month or so, what we've done and accomplished because a heart for service is a huge thing. I used to get those little connect cards that, that Elsa talked about. I, I used to get those, and it would be, the music's too loud, the music's too soft, we don't like the music, we love the music. It was all this kind of stuff about what served me. And about three years ago, we looked at our congregation, we said, there's got to be a better scoreboard for people to understand in ministry than just what makes them happy or sad. There's got to be something bigger that we're elevated to that leads us to help people and make a difference in our community a different scoreboard to read, if you, if you will. And I've been so proud of our church in changing that scoreboard and in making an impact in our community. At Thanksgiving, we had a marvelous Thanksgiving meal sponsored between St. John's and Olive Crest. Over 200 people involved in foster care in our gymnasium and in our dining room, hanging out loud, uh, crazy, spilling on the floor, making a mess everywhere, things getting broken, things being, it's just great. It's what we're all about. 
Because the scoreboard isn't about how clean the carpet is. The scoreboard is about how many people know Jesus. And we have an open door when we keep score that, that way. See you, Diego. <laughs> I love it. I love the little boxes that were gathered together, over 1,500 strong from our church. Boxes that are making their way into India and Kenya and Uganda and South America and Central America and places in the United States. Some people gave 30 boxes. Some people put one together. But each one is, is, is a marvelous interaction with another human being that says, because Christ loves me, I love you. And I don't even know who you are or where you're at, but I love you just the same. See, that's a marvelous scoreboard. A marvelous way to see interaction and engagement of God through us in the world. Yesterday, a powerful day of caring for and reaching out again in our foster care system. The Olive Crest lady grabbed me. Her name is Wendy. She said, you're Pastor Tim. She goes, you're a lot heavier last time I saw you. I said, yeah, thank you very much. I hear that a lot lately. And she got tears in her eyes and she said, I can't tell you how great your church is. With appropriate pride, I said, thank you. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, we're changing the scoreboard. It's not about necessarily meeting all of our own needs, although that has a, a very significant role in our ministry. It's not about having a, a, a campus that looks like a museum that we treat like a museum and we don't use and wear out. It's about what we did yesterday. About almost 500 people coming onto our campus through foster care. About people who care for children day in and day out being able to sit down and have a little bit of lunch. About children making cookies that, that don't all look the same. And having enough frosting so that a kid could put a cookie in a Ziploc bag, fill the cookie with frosting, liquefy the cookie, and then get green frosting all over themselves. <laughs> I count that as a win. Not because the cookie was so beautiful, but because the child was so happy. Scoreboard. That's the scoreboard. The scoreboard read, Jesus the winner, go back and tell John the Baptist. The scoreboard in our hearts and lives lights up and says, Jesus of Nazareth, victory over sin and death and the power of the devil. Jesus gets the gold medal. Jesus is the one who is Emmanuel, God with us, not to bring fear, but to bring love and grace and kindness. To take our head and, 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 and move our vision to see the scoreboard in eternity of Jesus and His win for us. And we as disciples, not of John the Baptist, but of Jesus, the Naz Jesus of Nazareth, To be able to look at a scoreboard of service and love, not for a medal or for a ribbon or for acclamation in the press, but to make the difference in the lives of people so that in and through us, they'll experience the love of Jesus. Because what you believe and how fervently you believe it drives what you do, drives what we do as a congregation. And leads those who ask that same question, are, are you the one or is there another that we should expect? We point to the scoreboard of God's love for us and others in Jesus. And that shows God 
with us. Game, set, match. Jesus of Nazareth and his people. Because there is absolutely no other one who's the Messiah, the lover of your soul, and the Savior of the world.